Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with Melbourne University captain and new North Melbourne AFLW signing, Ash Riddell. Richmond VFLW vice-captain, Kate Dixon. The GWS Giants Irish superstar, Cora Staunton. Plus our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox, Lauren Hodgson and Aaron Russell. That's all coming up over the next 80 minutes on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne and by the RSN Racing and Sport app. Don't forget to follow us on social media at facebook.com forward slash WARF radio or twitter.com forward slash WARF radio. On the weekend, the Melbourne University Muggers broke through for their first win of the VFLW season when they defeated Essendon at Windy Hill. It was also the debut win for Ash Riddell as captain of the Muggers, and it's great to have her on the line. Ash, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? Not too bad at all. It's been a hectic last three years for you. You've jumped from Fitzroy to Diamond Creek to Melbourne University. Absolutely. Very crazy. Lots of new people in the process, though, which is good. Well, before we talk about Melbourne University, let's take a step back. When did you actually first pick up the footy and start your senior women's footy career? Um, So I originally um, played footy when I was younger, so from about uh, six years old to when I was about 11. And then I sort of gave that up and pursued basketball and then sort of Came back um, in three years ago and played my first season back with Fitzroy after sort of a long stint away. But I was still obviously watching footy in the meanwhile, just not playing it. So, yeah, it's been exciting. Indeed, it has working in the lower divisions originally with Fitzroy. I think Division 3 they were in to, as we saw last year, you play at Diamond Creek and on one occasion won our best on ground. And now you find yourself at Melbourne Uni. Before we talk about that, let's just skip back a bit to October. Uh, You've had a great year at Diamond Creek. You made the grand final. Uh, You made the VFLW team of the year. So things are on the up and up. The draft happened, but you didn't get picked up. What was the thoughts going through your mind at that stage? Um, Obviously, initially, I was extremely disappointed and sort of upset thinking about what I could have done, what I could have done better and things like that. But then sort of as time progressed, I realised that um, I had to sort of make the most of the opportunity and try and work really hard over the pre-season and um, sort of state my case again for make it, um, try and make it impossible for the recruiters not to pick me up the following time around. So really try and work hard over the pre-season. One thing I'm interested to note, and uh, I actually haven't asked this question to a number of women who, who didn't get uh, picked up in the draft over the past couple of years is, did you receive any feedback at all from the clubs or people that you know, such as a Darren Flanagan, et cetera, throughout the academy system to give you feedback saying, look, you weren't picked up because we still want to see X, Y, or Z from you? Um, not particularly as such. I more um, sort of relied on people I already knew and got sort of feedback from their, them. So obviously Scott being our, the coach last year for Diamond Creek, obviously, and he was involved in Carl- with Carlton at the time. I got a little bit of feedback from him and sort of people that I trust around me and areas of my game that I could work on a little bit better. So, yeah, that was sort of the extent of that. And then in November, we we found the news that Diamond Creek would not be in the VFLW going forward. So that left you without a home. How did the conversation come about to getting you to Melbourne University? 
Um, well, yeah, obviously I was completely disappointed that Diamond Creek wasn't around because I, uh, I absolutely loved my time um, there. But, yeah, I just I knew throughout my stint at Diamond Creek I really enjoyed Scott coaching me and thought that um, I'd have most opportunity um, sort of following him to Melbourne Uni and knowing sort of his plans for the club and things like that. I was easily sold and wanted to come straight to Melbourne Uni. So that's sort of how that came about. And as you said, you were under Scott Gowan at two different clubs. When he's at Diamond Creek, he's coaching in a mindset of a VFLW team. He's now at Melbourne Uni slash North Melbourne, where he's coaching in a mindset of not only you as a VFLW players, but also thinking ahead to AFLW. Being under him at two different clubs, have you noticed a change in his style? Have things got more intense or picked up a bit more because there's that preparation for AFLW? Um, yeah, absolutely. Obviously, we still have the sort of growth mindset and the development um, mindset at VFL level, but obviously there is coming to Melbourne Uni this year, there is the AFLW component. So I think across all clubs, sort of our training's picked up intensely, especially during the pre-season, the amount of running, things like that that we've been doing. Um, but, yeah, it's been certainly different, but still, Scott still coaches in a similar way and it follows the same sort of principles. So it hasn't been too much of a change. I guess one change, though, is everything that's happening off the field because at Diamond Creek, you've got the small little club rooms that you had up at Plenty War Memorial Park. You're, you train at North Melbourne at Arden Street Oval where you've got a theatrette to sit in to watch your video back of what your best, you know, 60 seconds highlights were or whatever from the game that's just been like. Can you describe how that is transitioning from those different worlds from a small club to now, as much as you're playing for Melbourne Uni, you're, you've got access to that North Melbourne environment? Yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's amazing, like having access to those facilities, gym equipment, and things like that. Um, it's been a big change in that sense, and sort of we've also had like Ben Brown come down and help coaching us quite regularly. So getting feedback from AFL players, as well as has been absolutely amazing and incredible um, to learn off them too. So the environment's awesome. Um, I couldn't have asked for anything more. About a month out. From the season, the leadership group was announced for Melbourne Uni for season 2018, and you ended up with the captaincy. How does that feel to essentially be at a brand-new club and they've told you you're the leader? I was pretty stoked and, yeah, a little bit uh, very, very shocked, actually. Um, I didn't expect that coming in and obviously still pretty um, new to football, but um I was excited to sort of learn a few leadership skills and develop my game in that way as well. Um, right now that I'm actually understanding the game a little bit more, I feel like I can help those around me um, as well, which is good. So I've really enjoyed the captaincy so far, and um, but I'm lucky to have other people around me that can also assist me with that too. I'm interested to actually know on that, with the captaincy in general, how much of an extra burden is that on your time, besides what people see on the ground of how you do the coin toss and select which end you want to go to? But say off the field and and during the week, there are times where players have got questions and they don't necessarily want to approach the coach directly. How often do you now find players approaching you, asking you questions as the captain? Yeah, absolutely. It's certainly more than obviously not being captain at, uh, last year. Um, I just want to try and make it, um, make myself as approachable as I can to other players. And that, yeah, as you say, if they don't feel comfortable asking the coaching staff, they can go through me 
as an avenue um, and I might know the answer, I might not, but hopefully they feel comfortable enough to have a chat to me about whatever they want, um, even if it's not football related and um, that they feel comfortable with me as a leader. So that's the hope um, and, yeah. A one-and-one start to the season uh, against Geelong at Cadinia Park. A tight tussle in the first half, and they pulled away in the second half. Coming off the back of that game, what were some of the things that Scott wanted to see uh, an improvement in the side that you were able to implement for the next week when you end up beating Essendon at Windy Hill? Um, it was, yeah, structurally we um, sort of fell away a little bit in the second half. We, it was really tough because we only had one practice game against Casey and then we sort of got thrown into playing Geelong the week after. So as a group, and Melbourne Uni's obviously got a lot of new players and I think we had 10 girls debut uh, for their first VFL game that weekend. So obviously um, it was challenging for them not knowing some of the structures and the intensity of the game. But um, I think... In terms of um, our from week to week um, against Essendon, there was great improvement in terms of just our communication across the board, knowing sort of where to run and trusting your teammates that they're going to win the ball. And so now we've got a little bit of a better understanding of how each girl plays and we can sort of adapt to that accordingly. Not a bad first win as captain for yourself, being named best on ground and snagging three goals. Yeah, I was pretty stoked. I was lucky to get on the end of a couple of goals, which was nice. I think um, our team, the team, team as a whole, um, played really, really well. And I wouldn't have been able to get those couple of goals without the work they did up the field, that's for sure. So, nah, we as a group, we played very, very well, which was nice. Still plenty to improve on, but um, yeah, it's looking good. Looking ahead on a few things, uh, first of all, you've actually got the bye this week. So how's Scott approaching that? Will a number of the squad go back to play in the VAFA this weekend and will a number be rested? Um, a little bit of both. With um, Some players need to be rested. Some have played VAFA sort of before the VFL started, so they've been playing for a few weeks on end. So it will just depend individually how each player is feeling. Um, but most, most will probably have the week off and just to rejuvenate and get back on track before we play Northern Territory the week after. Now, one part of, uh, I guess, preparing for North Melbourne's entry into the AFLW is Melbourne Uni are having the occasional guest appearance from a Tasmanian player in your side. How's that working out when it comes to selection? And I guess for you as captain and as teammates trying to have communication with that player that they know what role they've got to play when they come across to play whatever particular match. Yeah, it is It is challenging. It's obviously going to be challenging for the player coming in to a brand-new team too. But um, there's really good communications with North Melbourne and the Tassie girls coming up that they actually understand the game plan before they come in. So they've already sort of recognised that and have a little bit of an understanding of it. And we just, as a group of Melbourne Uni girls, have got to make them feel um, really welcome and um, help make sure they're on the field. We give a lot of directional sort of advice and communicate um, in ways they understand to get the best out of our performance. One thing we did mention on our uh, pre-game show on the weekend, we were talking with Lucy Watkin, and we might as well uh, say it again on our uh, weekly show, so therefore the American audience can get to hear. They're obviously keen to see how Katie Clatt is going from Sacramento's season number three now at Melbourne Uni. Uh, Scott's given her quite a bit of responsibility, um, establishing her as the team's full back. 
Yeah, absolutely. She played her first um, VFLW game against Geelong and um, she was absolutely awesome, especially when there was a lot of um, inside 50s for Geelong. So she had to um, virtually hold down the back line at times. So she's um, the past two games, she's been very influential and she's one that will always, always work hard and um, do all the 1% of things that might not always get noticed, but um, we certainly notice them as a group, um, which is good. Now she's tracking very well. And a bit of the Foreign Legion there as well because you actually have a great Britain player who's been hampered in training because of her shoulder but hopefully should have full contact soon. Alex Salter from Nottingham Scorpions has been uh, training and hopefully will soon pull on the mugger's jumper. Yeah, that will be exciting when she does. Um, I think we're all um, excited to see what she can bring to the team, what she can add to the team. Um, And, yeah, no, we're very excited for that. Thank you very much again for your time as always, Ash. It's been a privilege to talk to you. Enjoy the week off if you are putting your feet up for this weekend and good <laughs> luck with the Muggers for the rest of the season 2018. No, thank you so much for that, Peter. I appreciate it. Melbourne University's next game in the VFLW is in round four, Saturday the 26th of May at 11.10am when they host the Northern Territory Thunder at Avalon Airport Oval in Werribee. Our RSN Carnival match of the round this weekend is on Sunday, the 20th of May. We're on air at 1pm for a 2pm bounce down as we present Collingwood versus Richmond at the Swinburne Centre, better known as Punt Road Oval. And it's great to have on the line the vice captain of the Richmond VFLW team in Kate Dixon. Kate, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Great to have you on the line. And for you personally, what a great start to the year. First of all, round one in the VFLW against the Bulldogs. Not only a win, but four goals for yourself. Yeah, I had an absolute blinder of a game. Um, It was fantastic to kick the first goal for uh, not only myself in the first game of VFL, but for Richmond as well. Like It was such a historical moment for that and great for our team to come away with a, a really good win. So let's rewind back a bit first before we talk about VFLW 2018. They recruited you out of Echuca. Obviously, the competition of women's football only began up there in 2017. What sport were you doing prior to that? Uh, yeah, so I've come off um, playing tennis. So I used to uh, play a lot of tennis. So I went overseas playing tennis as well. And um, then I had an ACL injury. So that sent me back for a couple of years. And then last year, I played my first uh, round of football at Echuca and I was lucky enough to be captain there. So um, just, um, yeah, I've obviously got a, an eye for detail in sport and I, I love it and I love giving myself a good challenge. When they started up a side last year at the Echuca Murray Bombers, was it a case of you were just looking for something to start and you ran straight towards it or was it someone else that coaxed you down to the club? No, I actually... Um, Look, I really, I, I've always loved football. I, I didn't play it as a kid, but I'd always have a kick in the backyard. And I went, my first training I uh, went to, I was a bit hesitant of going for sure. And um, I nearly actually walked away from it because I thought, oh my God, I've walked into a schoolyard of kids, just balls were going everywhere. And, you know, grassroots for women's football uh, is, start, is only just sort of starting. Yeah, so girls couldn't kick. And yeah, I was just thought, oh, whatever I got myself in for. But um, yeah, so I ended up staying there and that was, yeah, it was good. And Juca did well, of course, in its uh, first season in the competition. It ended up being taken out by uh, Bendigo in the end. It's a long way from uh, living in Moama and playing footy at Echuca to the Richmond Football Club. So how did your recruitment come about? Uh, yeah, so 
I was lucky enough, um, Kate Sheen was actually um, at an event where my coach was at and it, um, she just said to him, if, if you've got any girls that are interested in, in trying out. So I, I went to a trial in Bendigo in December and then got an invite off Tom, uh, the coach, to come down and do a second trial at uh, Punt Road at Richmond. So, yeah, it is definitely a long distance between travels and training. It's 540Ks round trip twice a week. So... Um, yeah, it's definitely a challenge. For those who have never done the drive before, and if you're taking the quick way through Heathcote, that's at least a good two and a half to three hours journey to get into Melbourne, let alone through the Melbourne traffic. Um, with that, are they making you go to Richmond twice a week or have they talked about, because I believe there's a number of Bendigo players that were recruited into Richmond about holding some training sessions at Bendigo so it's easier on travel? Yeah, look, they were going to do that, but there wasn't probably as many as first thought. And I think girls are probably happy to go down and be amongst the you know better facilities and such elite program down there. So I think um, from that basis, it's just easier to do the trip twice a week and then you're up to, you know what's happening. Let's skip ahead now to pre-season. How were the nerves coming into this? Particularly, as you said, you were at Echuca last year where there's footies going around everywhere, very grassroots, to now going to Punt Road Oval, preparing for a VFLW season where the training is almost AFLW standard. Oh, absolutely. Like um, They're giving us everything possible at Richmond. We, we go back. If you're not performing, that they're going to ask questions why. So, you know, there's definitely nerves and there's expectations and there's standards. So I think if, you, you know, if you're happy to give it your best shot and, and not hold back, and it goes for anyone out there, you've just got to really dig deep. And, and if you believe in yourself, you can do it. You can definitely do it. So for me personally, nerves were... Definitely, uh, I was thinking, oh, my God. But I enjoy the team sport coming off an individual sport. You know, tennis was sometimes when you're in bad situations, it was very hard mentally. So I probably got a bit of a, um, you know, I'm not sure the word for it, but, um, yeah, a bit more progress in that in, in mental stage where I don't get quite as nervous. Were you shocked to be given the vice captaincy when that was announced before the start of the season? Oh, absolutely. That that blew me away. I, I still gives me shivers and goosebumps when uh, Tom said to me, sent me a message saying, oh, listen, I, I really want to have a chat with you. And I thought, oh, gosh, what have I done? But, uh, yeah, when Tom and Kate sat down and, and said that, you know, you've got uh, one of the vice-captaincy roles, I just thought, oh, my God, like I, could, I could have jumped out of the, the seat. I didn't know what to do. So I was, I was really happy and stoked that people actually, um, you know, they think that much of me. So that's great. So that first game against the Bulldogs, as we mentioned, where you kicked the four goals, um, you managed to keep the Bulldogs goalless as well. And we should point out that even though the Bulldogs were missing their AFLW players, they had quite a number of what we called Western Spurs footballers who played in the VFLW last year and were middle of the table. So there were never going to be easy pushovers. Were you surprised to have such a dominant performance by your Tigers in game one? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, because you never know... You know, you've got to treat every game as if uh, it's every game's a challenge and, and no game's ever an easy game. And um, there's times there, that I guess the score doesn't reflect on it. There could have been times where, you know, they kick a couple of goals and it could go either way. So we just kept our pressure coming, which is what, you know, hopefully we can be known to do. And, and um, yeah, I mean, this week wasn't as good for us, but we, we come back and we stick to our processes and, um, you know, back to the drawing board and, um, reflect on what we could have done but you know this week against Collingwood we're hoping to 
you know, a great result. And I'm sure that um, the training track this week will be down, you know, doing back to basics. So. Just having a look at that game that was played on the weekend against Darren, probably just to pick up two points from that. One that even though the scoreboard shows it was six goals something to where you hadn't kicked a goal, um, what people failed to look at was all of those goals came in the first, well, most of the goals came in the first 22 minutes. That was the first quarter and a bit for Darabin. And then it became a real lockdown fest. Only one more goal was kicked for the remainder of the game from that point onwards. Was it just a case of the side taking a while to settle? Yeah, listen, we probably come off a little bit of a high. And um, yeah, credit to, to Darabin, credit where credit's due. Like, yeah, I think they kicked three goals uh, in the first seven minutes. And I'm not sure... Uh, it was just very hard for us. The conditions were tough, but it was definitely windy. And, yeah, the score does, definitely doesn't do it justice because, uh, yeah, four points doesn't sound like uh, much at all. But um, absolutely, it was tough. It was a grind down for the last quarters, but we just couldn't get the scoreboard pressure on. So that's, um, you know, we've got to look at that and, um, you know, still take positives because even though we lost that, we're still probably a winner in some way because we can take something out of it. And just on that, from some reports that I heard at the ground, they said the game was actually a, a pretty even contest throughout that second half. It was just Darabin's defence stood up and denied you any clear opportunities at goal. Looking back at that game compared against the Bulldogs game, what did you find tougher about the Darabin defence, about trying to crack that? Yeah, look, they played. Uh, they had one team to be always deep uh, in defence, so I always felt, felt outnumbered. And, um, you know, we had a bit of a shorter midfield, but... Um, other than that, we just couldn't push the ball deep and, and you know, shots at goal, we, we had a few, but, you know, we hit the post, I kicked one across face. So, you know, if we could have just got those little things here or there and just get our team, you know, a couple of quick goals and get our team motivated and, and upbeat again, it, it could have been different. But, yeah, that's just something that we need to work on as a team and, and me as well, you know, make sure we're in every condition, whether it's raining or winning, that you, you're hitting those goals. Now, you've definitely already got one AFLW footballer playing for you, the GWS Giants, Louise Stevenson, who's been running around for you. You've also got on the list the uh, likes of uh, Lauren Tessariero, uh, Emma King is on your list, Amelia Barden as well. Um, even without the, some of those players playing, have they been around the group training or even if they haven't commenced training yet, have they just been there giving feedback, giving advice? Oh, absolutely. They've been around the the group training and uh, getting around the girls and, and seeing the way that our structure's been played. And, and those girls, are, are, you know, they're really good because they've had experience. So the experience that they're going to bring into the team for us more amateur ones are going to be great. So, yeah, they've been around and uh, it's just like a big family. So it's, it's really good, even though they've come from, you know, some are different clubs and that yeah, everyone's at a different level. Everyone's treated the same and, and with great respect. So that's fantastic. I'm interested in, well, I guess, in the leadership philosophy uh, amongst the captains and the coach as well for this year. And I, I make it an example that last year that uh, when Geelong first entered the VFLW competition, they'll enter the AFLW next year. Uh, Paul Hood said in his first year, it'd be great to get some wins. And I actually did very well in the end, but it was more about rotating the list and seeing what everyone can do. Considering you've got, for Richmond, AFLW that's coming up in 2020, what is this year about? Is it a similar philosophy where it's every, trying to get everyone a game to see what everyone can do? Oh, listen, I think it, we're, we're at a developing stage. You know, we know um, like we know where we need to be to, to come into that. But, you know, we've got also know that there's not, you know, 300 girls out there that play AFLW just to pull from. So you've got to develop those 
skills coming through. So at the moment, we're a developing group coming coming into the VFL and uh, trying to stick to processes and structures and stuff like that. We touch base on. So, um, you know, if we're not teaching girls and women how to play, um, they're not going to learn. So we've just got to, you know, start off at basics and and hopefully we can build strong girls from there. And I'm sure at the end of this year that some of our teams could be drafted to other clubs. You just never know. But there's definitely great talent amongst the girls. An interesting game for you coming up on Sunday up against Collingwood who are coming off a draw. So I guess obviously with yourselves coming off a loss and technically a draw is almost like a loss bar the two premiership points. Both sides coming in probably off a flat performance from last week. So who knows, I guess, what can happen this week? Yeah, look, you just don't know. We've got to go out uh, with a great mindset that, yes, you know, um, it's, it's a challenge every day that you step out onto the football field and things can happen. But we've got to back our our process and our playing and our game and, and just uh, play as a team and, and the scoreboard will take care of itself. That's all we can hope for. And just one final one. Um, as we said, it's a long way from playing football in Echuca last year to playing at the Richmond Football Club who have 90,000 AFL members. Being in that environment, have you felt the Richmond supporter base get around you? Have you had people... Uh, not quite stopping you in the street, but stopping you at training and match day and Tiger supporters wanting to know about more about you and, I guess, the women's team that obviously will be representing them in the AFLW in two years. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, 90,000 members, like, we have, you know, uh, Facebook and technology and everything's out there. But for that very first match that we played, like, the Richmond supporters got around us and there was even flags being flown. And, yeah, it was really good. And, um, it's just one big family and, and we hope that we could one day bring home um, three premiership flags like the AFL, VFL and VFLW. That'd be that'd be really good. But, you know, we've got to start somewhere and we can have goals and we can aim for that. But, um, yeah, from a, from a fan perspective, um, people start to recognise you for sure. Kate, thank you very much for your time and we wish you all the best this weekend as you take on Collingwood at the Swinburne Centre, Punt Road, Oval, 2pm bounce down Sunday the 20th of May and we'll bring it to you live on RSN Carnival, Digital Radio Melbourne and via the RSN Racing and Sport app. In season 2018 of the AFLW, the GWS Giants had many stars blossom. They had Courtney Gum at the age of 36 just rip it up. They had Alicia Eva who they'd recruited from Collingwood just blitz them all. And then they had the Irish superstar no one saw coming. She was a champion of ladies Gaelic football. She'd also played soccer and rugby over in Ireland. She came to Australia, took on to her what was a foreign game and held up pretty well, kicking five goals for the season and having an impact in the Giants' forward half. We speak of Cora Staunton, and she joins us on the line now from Ireland. Cora, how are you? I'm good, Peter, now good. Sitting back into Ireland, um, home about just under a month now. So, yeah, just getting back back used to Irish weather again and uh, used to a different shape of football. Well, that's certainly something, isn't it? Because uh, you left when it was nice and sunny and 30-odd degrees in Sydney, and I think you may have got back just in time for the beast from the east to blast through. Yeah, yeah. So it's been pretty poor weather since I came home, pretty cold. So, yeah, getting back to the 10 and and 11 degrees and, um, yeah, the cold weather. But, um, yeah, enjoyed my time in Sydney. Had a brilliant time, obviously, with the the Giants and, um, you know, hopefully looking forward to coming back again um, um, in October and November. What's it like being back at home after playing 
three months for the GWS Giants. Obviously, for, for where we broadcast from Melbourne, football's always around us. Everyone's always talking about the game. How does it feel for you for being in that spotlight, being obviously around your teammates 24-7, talking and training football, to now returning to Ireland, where the game is essentially in the background? Yeah, it, 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 it's obviously strange. Obviously, the first uh, week or two I was back is strange and probably hard to adapt back into Irish weather and then obviously adapt back into my um, work and life um, again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm back playing uh, uh, GEA over here now again. So back, I'm still back training and still playing sports. So, you know, just back with a different team. But, you know, obviously I miss um, all the girls in Australia, um, but I'm still in contact with them on a regular basis and, and still in contact with the club there as well. Um, with Al and with Nick and a few others, so yeah, it's, it's been a, it's probably been a little bit more difficult than I thought. But you know, obviously, good to be home and see family and friends. But um, you know, obviously, miss the, the full time training and, and miss the girls. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm still I'm still trying to and uh, keep my skills up here and, and practice with the with the sharing ball over here. So you know, it's, yeah, it it has been a difficult transition back. But you know, um, nearly a month in now, I'm, I'm kind of settling back in again at home. Just to give everyone an idea, besides obviously moving yourself physically over to Australia to base yourself for several months to play in the AFLW, what did you have to leave behind in Ireland when it came to either study or career and then obviously having to pick that back up again once you got back home? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, over here, um, our sport is um, completely amateur, so we, we train most of the time in the evenings um, and then obviously with the weekends we train in the morning. So between both club and county, you represent both over here. Um, so we, we'd be training maybe five or six times a week. Um, so obviously, on top of that, I work at a nine-to-five job here with the health service. I, I'm involved in health promotion. Um, so I work with a, an ethnic group um, called the Traveller Community. So that's most of that is office space. So I'm, you know, nine-to-five, and usually then you're home for an hour, and then you're back out training. So your, your days are quite hectic. Um, so obviously, I'm lucky. I, I'm not married. I don't have any family. Um, you know, just my own, um, obviously, niece and nephews and and. My dad is still alive and, and you know, um, brothers and sisters and obviously a lot of friends from, from sports and my teammates from over here. That's what you, you kind of left behind. But, um, you know, with the way modern technology is, you're always in contact with them when they're in Australia. And I was lucky enough, I lived with my brother and his wife and, and they're two little boys in Australia. So I had family over there, which, which made the transition coming from Ireland over to Sydney a lot easier. And talking about making that transition, you obviously are known as a legend of Gaelic football. Did you find that you'd had increased media coverage here compared to being in Ireland? And once you've got back, has it gone up another gear again? Because essentially, uh, with respect to Laura Jurea, you're the first one that's a known star of Gaelic football to make the crossover. Yeah, I suppose, yeah. I, I think, the, you know, the biggest um, thing for me was the, the the amount of media coverage, both in Australia and Ireland, um, that I got, um, especially in Australia, I suppose, but at home, um, you know, every every one of my matches was reported on the on the six or the nine o'clock news at home, and you know, it was all over social media. And you know, but when when I came home, people are still welcoming me home, and you know, still talking about it, asking how I got on, and you know, there's huge interest here. Um, you know, there's huge interest since I came back. Even you know, I've been around to a couple of our schools here. I'm doing a bit of AFL coaching um, in the schools. People just want to learn about the game. So yeah, no, it's been huge. And obviously in Australia, there was, you know. Um, 
especially when we got into the, the matches and into the rounds, there was, there was a lot of media coverage, all right, um, obviously coming from Ireland and um, having played uh, GEA over here for, for many years. Yeah, there, there's, there's been a lot. And since I came home, yeah, you know, I, I've ha, ha been in, in demand to do a lot of different things. But, you know, I'm well used to that. And, you know, I'm glad that I can come home and, and, and promote um, AFL over here and, you know, p- promote the club, um, the GWS Giants, and, and tell everyone how good they are and, you know, what a, a remarkable club they are and how good they have been to me. Uh, is there an additional pressure on you for that that you feel like an ambassador as you go back to Ireland because people are asking you wanting to know about what not only the personal experience was like but obviously as we've heard reports that Sarah Rowe might be looking at uh, coming down and playing in Melbourne for the season 2019 do you find women reaching out to you from Gaelic football wanting to put their toe in the water and consider AFLW uh, yeah, you know, you obviously have plenty of people, obviously teammates and plenty of people that you meet asking you about your experience and want you to know. I suppose it's, it's been well documented, as I said, in, in, in papers. I've done a lot of interviews uh, for media over here while I was in Australia. So it's been, you know, well um, promoted and people know what my experience has been like. Um, yeah, and obviously for other GEA players, maybe that might get the opportunity to, to go to Australia and then... And, and play the play AFL, you know that's probably going to happen. But like, you know, I don't think obviously the Ladies Football Association will hear of anything to worry. I, I do see a few people coming across the game, but they're not going to lose, you know, too many people um, to AFL because, it, you know, to me, it, it, while there's a lot of similarities in the sport, that was the biggest thing when I come over. I, I, I thought the game would be a lot more similar, which it's not, you know. It was a huge learning curve for me in, in, in terms of the skills and everything and the physicality. Obviously, our game at home is a non-contact sport. And then the education around the game, you know, to learn all of that was probably the biggest challenge for me. And, you know, you had to spend a lot of ta- extra time on the training pitch, but you also had to spend a lot of extra time in the classroom learning all the rules and, you know, systems of play and, and how, how the structures that the, the manager wanted to play. So all of that has been difficult. And even now, um, while we're on off season, I'm trying to learn a lot of that, and I, I've been watching a lot of the AFL men's games at the weekend here. You know, just just to, to to get my education around the game up, and you know, to learn a lot of things from that. And you talk about that education. I recall a line that uh, you wrote in the Sports Chronicle where you were talking about Alan McConnell, the coach of the GWS Giants, and he said that um, uh, he has forced me to think differently as a footballer, which helps me as I'm playing a new game and hope to keep doing so. How difficult is that? I mean, once we get to our mid-30s to late-30s in life, whether it be sport, whether it be work or anything that we do in life, we kind of almost fall into a habit of we like to do things the way we're familiar to doing things. How much did that challenge you and and how much and how difficult was it for something that you've been doing a certain way for 15, 20 years or more to change that? Yeah, it probably was difficult at the start, but, but I think when you have, uh, if you're a sports person, um, you know, sometimes, you, you know, playing, playing a sport at the top level for as long as I am, I have been doing in Ireland, you know, sometimes maybe you get a little bit stale and you know exactly what you're doing and, and you know, you're you're trying to learn something and new every day when you go out on the pitch and train or in a match, but, you know, it doesn't always happen. So obviously, you know, coming to Australia and, and playing AFL, it's been a huge challenge, but it's also been a huge fresh, freshness as well. And, you know, it's been something as a sports person I'm trying to, you know, I'm coming and learning the game from, you know, scratch and not knowing anything. And it's been a challenge personally for me to try and get better each session that I do, whether it's a team session or was a training session with Al, or as I said, if it was an education session, I'm trying to learn something new all the time. And I absolutely love that challenge of, you know, trying to make myself better. 
I suppose here in Ireland I've been very well known and you know you know been at the top of my game for quite a long time. So from being going, you know, from the top of your game in one sport to being and you know to the bottom of 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 a game in another sport and not known it has been a massive change but it's it's been brilliant and you know it's made me think outside the box you know um, in a lot of things that I'm doing now um, you know at home I do a lot of coaching as well and involved in coaching and I love it so from that point of view I, I, I you know that helps me as well and as I said having someone like Al in the club was brilliant and you know he, he you know he spent so much extra time with me trying to get me to learn the game and get my skills up and you know I can't thank him enough and also um, Nick Walsh from Ireland as well you know they spend a lot of extra time with me and the challenge was brilliant and, and it's made me a fresher person as a sports person and even coming back, bringing a lot of that stuff to to, do, to GEA. And talking about bringing that stuff back home, we, we've saw a, a couple of photos online of you teaching some kids out at Rabin, trying to teach them the game of Aussie rules. Uh, how much have you um, divested your time since you've got back in Ireland to teaching those, whether it be kids or women your age, to, to pick up the oval-shaped ball and give the game a go? Yeah, I suppose you're like, you know, when, when um, schools like that ask it, you know, um, I think that was as part of their active week here at home. Um, so when schools like that ask it to come in, you know, I've been asked by a lot of clubs and stuff to, over the years to come in and to do either GA sessions and now maybe an AFL session or to come in and do talks or whatever. And, you know, when any school, whether it's a, a primary school or a secondary school, come in ask me to do that, I try, I try to do it. And, um, even as of last week, was in another school giving a talk, and they wanted to know my experience in Australia. So yeah, no, I love doing that. I, lo- I love coaching kids and um, trying to get you know get them active and you know trying to encourage them to go down the route of sports because you know sport has given me so much. Whether it's been GEA or now AFL, it's, you know I've had huge opportunities from sport, and you know young people growing up now need that nowadays. And I want to whether it's girls or boys, you know you want to see them do well and have sport in their life because it teaches them so many different. Um, valuable traits whether you know it's you know leadership or friendship or communication whatever it is you want them to be part of team sport and you know um, that's all I'm trying to do encourage them to be part of the sport and, and, and maybe inspire them a little bit. Now we've had several times on the show this year and through our previous years representatives from the Australian Rules Football League Ireland because they've got a women's super seven competition that's running on and a national team the Irish Banshees um, have they reached out to you at all have you worked with them either on a coaching basis playing basis or just a speaking basis with the Australian Rules Football League Ireland yeah, I, I have had a couple of couple of contacts for them. Yeah, they, they've been very helpful even before I went out offering, you know, just to do a couple of skill sessions with me. And yeah, they, they, since I've came back, they've been on to me. They had a tournament there in Dublin just when I came back. But unfortunately, with, with club football here, we, we the game, so I couldn't make it. But yeah, I hope I yeah, hope to meet up with them in Dublin and maybe play a few few games there. And I think there's a, a competition in October that they'd like me to play in. So. If it doesn't clash with my uh, club scene, club scene over here, I'll, I'll certainly give it a go. Um, but yeah, as I said, I, I'm, I'm still practicing here at home away. Obviously, with skills, I need to be doing them while, while I'm here. Obviously, fitness work and, and everything else will, will come through GDA. But you know, I need to be. You know, uh, the club sent a good few footballs home with me when I was when I was leaving in um, April. So I'm lucky enough. We've an Irish guy that was playing with the Brisbane Lions, Keen Hanley, and um, who, who returned home. Um, Earlier this year, um, from Brisbane, his brother Pierce is playing with the Gold Coast. So Keen um, actually lives um, not far from me here in, in Castlebar. Um, so yeah, Keen will be taking me for um, some extra kicking sessions. So that's brilliant to have someone of his calibre that will help me with my skill sessions.
So look out, Cora Stoughton, possibly a future Irish Banshee for the Euro Cup coming up in October, which is fantastic to see. Um, as, as you, by the sound of it, look like you'll be running around again 2019, another season for the GWS Giants. In your exit interview with Alan McConnell, what's some of the things he said he would like you to focus on specifically over these months leading up to the next season? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, exit interviews and all that was quite new to me. We, we wouldn't do them here at home in the GEA, yeah. So, you know, my exit interview, I was obviously very positive and, you know, they were happy with everything, you know, both on and off the field um, and what, I, what I've done um, at the GWS Giants. But I suppose the main thing, you know, obviously, when, when you get a bit older, the main thing is to concentrate, go back and, you know, play um, football here at home and, you know, keep yourself fit and ticking over. I suppose for me, the most important thing is, you know, that I get plenty of rest and recovery. You know, I suppose I came over to Australia after a very long football season. So I, I was probably going 18 or 19 months on the, on the go without a break. So yeah, I, I came home and, you know, I, I'm still still playing football here at home and, and trying to keep myself in good shape. But it's just probably to rest the body a bit and, and you know, may, maybe just concentrate working a little bit on the skills and get out kicking, kicking as much as I can. And with the overball and just keep practicing. But, you know, Al is happy. You know, I've been doing this for the last, you know, 20, 20, 20 plus years at home just to keep myself ticking over and, you know, not to overdo it, I suppose, and you know, try and come back as, as fresh as I can um, to the Giants in, in a couple of months' time. You know, that's the main thing. But, you know, overall, our exit interview was very positive. And, you know, the season for the Giants probably finished disappointingly. But, you know, there's a great group there and we hope to build on that for next year. And, you know, I hope to, you know, play a, a big part in that. And just a couple of things just to pick up on uh, very quickly that uh, occurred during the season that people want to know the result of. Uh, first of all, that game against Collingwood, that famous photo of you afterwards with Sonia O'Sullivan, you had the old nose taped up after it got given a bit of a touch-up. Um, how has the nose, has it been officially fixed if you had the surgery done for it? And what was the diagnosis? Was it actually yeah. broken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely broken, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so I had the surgery um, at the end of the season. I had the surgery before I came home from Australia. So I had the surgery maybe about five, six weeks ago. Yeah, so it's, it's all fine. I, as I said, I've played a couple of football games here at home. So, yeah, no, it's perfect again. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was, it was badly broken. Um, so it's straightened for the moment because I couldn't breathe through it. But, yeah, in, in time again, um, when I retire from all sports, um, another nose operation and need to, f- to fix it fully. But for the moment, yeah, it's looking, it's looking a lot better than it was um, in that photo with Sonia Shirley. And finally, we believe you had a documentary crew following you around while you were here in Australia, obviously recording your every move and how you went adapting to the game of Australian rules football. Uh, do we have an idea when that vision is going to be out, um, essentially your time over here in Oz? Yeah, um, yeah. So we're, they're they're hoping there's no official launch date yet, but it'll be sometime in se- September, probably mid to in September. It'll be um, on the on the TV stations here in Ireland. So yeah, sometime mid September to late September that they're hoping that it'll be released. And we're certainly looking forward to that. Cora, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best throughout your Gaelic season back home in Ireland, and we look forward to seeing you running around again for the GWS Giants in 2019.
No problem, Rob. Pleasure. Now, while we're over in this part of the world, let's find out what happened on the weekend in the AFL London Women's League. We weren't able to get in contact with Mitch Scally this week, but we hope to have him on next week to have a look at round three. But in round two of the AFL London Women's League, Women's Premiership Division, uh, the Wimbledon Hawks, one behind, were defeated by the West London Wildcats, 3-9-27. And the Wandsworth Demons, 2-1-13, defeated the North London Lions, 1-4-10. In the Women's Conference Division, the Putney Magpies, 5-22-52, defeated the West London Wildcats, no score and the Wandsworth Demons one straight six went down to the London Swans one three nine time for our state leagues wrap let's find out what happened over the weekend in the VFL women's competition and we've got on the line our league caller here at RSN Carnival in Matthew Cox Coxie how are you very well Pete very well it was another interesting round of stress wellness VFL women's action on the weekend again a couple of surprising results uh whilst there was a, a draw that uh, we covered on the weekend. We'll get to that in a moment, but there were plenty of other games with a, a fair bit of interest in them. Let's start on Saturday afternoon at Windy Hill, a seesawing affair between the Bombers and Melbourne Uni, both looking for their first win of the season. And it was the Muggers, 5-6-36, defeating the Bombers, 4-4-28. Yeah, coming home in the last... Well, in the second half, the Bombers were up at half-time, 3-2 to two straight goals for the Muggers. So Bombers, uh, at least looking at the scoreboard, were more competitive than what we saw uh, when they played the Hawks back in round one. Uh, clearly, they've found a little bit more rhythm and structure, and that flair that we saw uh, in round one hopefully came through a little more. Whilst the Muggers, uh, as expected, I think they uh, worked their way to the top have detailed already a number of times in our chats that it's not the same Melbourne University that we've become accustomed to in the last couple of years. They don't have all their main stars in the um, But we do expect them to be competitive because there's still a little core group there of well-credentialed players. And in the end, that look, that's what got them over the line by the looks of things on the weekend. As you said, 5-6-36 to 4-4-28 goal kickers. Ashford L kicked three goals. But uh, it was also fairly handy with the stats. 22 touches on the weekend, including 15 kicks and seven handballs. Also laid four tackles. A starring performance from the new Muggers captain. Cords and Price were the other goal kickers. Whilst on the other side of the coin, you had Ponta Moreau, DiMatteo and Anwin. I've had a great weekend with Nate. Um, uh, all with all the single goal kickers for the Bombers, whilst uh, disposals-wise uh, for the Bombers, Lisa Williams uh, racked up 19 touches, and a familiar name was at the top of the disposal count sheet, Emma Carney, making her return to the Muggers lineup uh, in 2018 on the weekend. Let's have a look at the game at Punt Road Oval that had everyone's head spinning. Uh, heading into this game, Richmond had given the Bulldogs a touch-up while Darabin had been on the end of a hiding from the NT Thunder. We were expecting this scoreline, but we are expecting it in the opposite direction. It was Darabin that got the chocolates quite convincingly. 6-7-43 to Richmond, just the four behinds. And also played at uh, Punt Road Oval or the Swinburne Centre, whatever you want to call it, uh, on, the, on the weekend as well. So it was a home game. For the Tigers, uh, Darabin obviously with a bit of fire in the belly after the full performance the week prior, uh, really wanted to get on the board and uh, they did that quite convincingly. Four goals, uh, in fact five goals in the first half uh, got them on the board. They only kicked a goal after uh, uh, half time. Uh, but as you said, the Tigers not getting a goal on the board after a real impressive first up 
uh, performance back in round one. So they'll be bitterly disappointed uh, with the way that they played on the weekend. Hannah Mouncey kicked three goals for the Falcons. Simpson with two, Hammond with one as well. Looking uh, down the stats and the big differentiator for me in this match were the hitouts, 48 to 27 in favour of the Falcons. Whilst uh, racking up the touches uh, in this match was Meg McDonald, 23 disposals on the weekend for Darabin, which indicates, I think, as you raised on the weekend, Pete, that it looks as though she's been moved to that that more midfield slash utility role in 2018. On Sunday, the Casey Demons uh, made their debut in the VFLW competition. They took on Hawthorne. And in the end, it was Hawks doing it in Diana Haynes' 150th game, 4-7-31 to the Casey Demons, 3-6-24. Yeah, a tight tussle. Uh, Casey's first game up in 2018 after having the bye in round one. Uh, expected them to be competitive because they've got a fairly handy playing group uh, playing out there at Casey Fields. And... They've also got a fairly handy coach in Damien Keeping taking the reins last week, as we discussed. But thought the Box Hill... Uh, sorry, Box Hill. Hawthorne would get over the line uh, in this match. Um, and it was only just, as you said, uh, it was only 4-7-31 to 3-6-24. Emma Mackey, Gilda, Perkins and Diet uh, getting the goals for Hawthorne, whilst for Casey Clayton at Phillips... And, uh, geez, another another good name here, Pete. Guidgley Mino. I apologise that I've stuffed that right royally up uh, for uh, Casey. Uh, I'll be going back to the drawing board this week and working on my uh, pronunciation of uh, names because I did not have a... uh, Again, just looking at uh, some of the key disposal getters in this and surprising for me, there are a couple of uh, veterans, I would call them, start on the weekend for the Hawks specifically. Meg Hutchins racked up 18 disposals. Looks like she also had a scoring opportunity too with just the minor score on the board. And the other uh, impressive disposal getter that uh, I think was, was uh, Phoebe McWilliams, obviously pushing her way up the ground after playing a, a very much forward-centred role in round one. Moving on to another Sunday game, Carlton 9-7-61, defeating the Western Bulldogs 2-3-15 for Shannon McFerrin, the coach of the Blues. It's two from two. Yeah, and again, probably considering the talent that they've got running around the park at the moment, a number of AFLW players, and I think we, we counted somewhere north of that uh, currently playing for them. Game held out at Rams Arena and uh, yeah, quite an impressive scoreline for Carlton Hosking, Shearlaw and Canuccio with two goals apiece while Cox, Lee and Vessio uh, also kicked goals. Uh, on the other side of the coin, the Western Bulldogs, Ashley and Wild were the two single goal kickers. At least they did get on the, the scoreboard on the weekend, the Bulldogs, but two disappointing performances uh, to kick the season off. Uh, I don't think feeling the best this week. And it's a little bit of a concern. I think we raised the question on the weekend that this is uh, essentially a side, we believe, that is the VU Western Spurs from 2017. They've got uh, a number of those players still on the list. And the fact that they haven't played up, uh, haven't played well in the first two matches is, is just a question mark beginning to appear whether those players have been developed 
or whether they're resting and relying on the AFLW Bulldogs players coming into the side just a little too much. So it'll be interesting to see how they go over the next couple of weeks, but uh, I'd be a little bit worried if I was a Bulldogs supporter just at the moment. So also on Sunday at Point Jellyband, uh, the Seagulls, they're one of the sides that had a very good pre-season. We thought they'd be maybe premiership contenders for the side and the players that they recruited, a number of them out of the St Kilda Sharks, but they're naught from two uh, going down to the Southern Saints, 4-2-26 to 8 8 Yeah, I would have thought Williamstown would have performed a, a bit better in this match and, in fact, probably thought they should have at least won one of the games uh, across the first two rounds. They've just haven't gelled for, for one reason or another um, and not great on the scoreboard either. If we think back to their match against Collingwood, they only got a couple of goals on the board and this weekend it rested on uh, Duffin's shoulders, kicking three goals low, the other goal kicker for the Seagulls. Southern Saints, on the other hand, though, looks like uh, they've turned it around after their round one loss to Carlton down in Frankston. Uh, impressive effort on the scoreboard. Uh, four goals to... Lawrence, whilst the single goal kickers were Bahana, Roland, McQueen and Drennan. And just having a look at the statistics in this game, again, the big differentiator for me in this one was the hitouts, 44 in favour of the Southern Saints, whilst you had 23 for Williamstown, which suggests that uh, there was a significant ruck advantage on the weekend in favour of the Saints. And to the game that we covered on Sunday, Collingwood versus Geelong. Let's call it even. Let's call it a draw. 3-9-27 against 4-3-27. Yeah, I think we described it on the weekend as the, the, the result was fitting of the, the game. I, I know I went to Olympic Park on the weekend thinking we were going to get a, a very good contest, a, a tight uh, but highly skillful contest. And, while there were flashes of it, uh, we didn't really get that. It was more of an arm wrestle right throughout the game. And uh, Collingwood had their opportunities. They'll be disappointed that they didn't convert early on in the game. They kicked eight behinds up until half time. Their first goal coming, I think it was halfway through the third quarter from memory. So it took them a long time to get their first major on the board. But they did have a number of opportunities. Geelong, on the other hand, I, I think they... They performed okay. I, as I said, I was expecting them to be a bit more skillful. There was a passage of play, I remember, in the second quarter down the outer wing where they did find that link up and get that run going. But apart from that, it was a little bit scratchy. They uh, were feeling a bit off after the opening round. Who knows? But it just didn't live up to the game that I was expecting between two sides that have got... A number of talent. Geelong, I'm expecting to go deep into finals this year. Collingwood, I don't think, will be far behind given the talent on their list. So, um, hopefully, it was just an, an off weekend for, for both sides. The goal kickers in this game, the Geelong virtual Habib, Derby and all, all singles. Whilst for Collingwood, Hines, Lambert and Biden wing Webster were the goal kickers on the weekend. And uh, just having a look at the disposal getters, Renee Garring uh, was the leader with 29 touches on the ground. But the two impressive performances for me, and they would have gone close uh, to the best on ground uh, for me on the weekend. Jamie Lambert racked up 28 touches and a goal whilst laying 11 tackles. And Sarah Darcy, it's the first time I think I've seen her play the game 
mainly in the midfield. She racked up 25 touches and was very efficient and effective throughout the day. Throughout the day. So uh, impressive performances by a couple of former Eastern Devils players. And since we covered Geelong, it's very apt to say that's been reported by Sarah Black from AFL Media that uh, Geelong have upgraded six of their VFLW players onto their AFLW list for 2019. Uh, the word that she says is that um, Rebecca Goring, Renee Garing, Danielle Orr and Kate Darby, all of whom we saw on Sunday, have been upgraded to the AFLW list. And also as well, Cassie Blakeway, who we saw last year, and Jordan Ivey, who um, had been originally at Carlton, was going to play Geelong VFLW. Then I think it was round two, did her ACL. She'll be coming back from that and will play in VFLW in the second half of this year. Um, they have also been upgraded to the Geelong AFLW list, according to Sarah Black. Yeah, and I, I, I would think that they're not the last, updated from the VFL, or sorry, not updated, upgraded from the VFLW list uh, in preparation for the 2019 season. Being very conscious of developing the the talent down there, uh, Paul Hood and his team. So expecting there might be a couple of more names to go into the AFLW side from the VFLW side, but it's certainly reward for effort. Uh, the name on that list that stands out for me is the current skipper of the Cats. Rebecca Goring, been in uh, women's footy for, for quite some time, played uh, for a while up at Melbourne University, uh, went down to Geelong last year and uh, plays a pivotal role across halfback. So well-deserved for her, uh, well-reward. Uh, and, of course, there's some other talented names that you read out before that uh, will certainly make an impression in 2019 with the AFLW squad. And, no doubt make an impression with the FLW squad this season. Let's take a quick look ahead to round three that'll be played this weekend in your tips on Saturday, 19th of May, 11.30am at Box Hill City Oval. Hawthorne host Carlton. Shaping up to be a, another ripping game. Uh, Carlton in red hot form. Box Hill Hawks also in fairly handy form. Box, uh, Hawthorne's first game at home in 2000. And 18, playing at Box Hill City Oval. I'd expect them to get the job done, but just uh, like last weekend against Casey, I think uh, Carlton will give their money. I can understand the Box Hill and Hawthorne mix-up. A bit similar with our next game with the Southern Saints, who actually sung their theme song after they beat Williamstown, saying, I want to be at St Kilda. So come on, Southern Saints, just call yourself St Kilda and get on with it. 3.30pm Saturday afternoon, Skybus Stadium in Frankston. The um, Southern Saints hosting Casey Demons. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I'm not the only one struggling with names this week, Pete. Um, expecting, uh, expecting Casey to get the job done in this one, even though the Southern Saints had an impressive performance on the weekend and they are playing on their home deck. I think the Demons just have too much talent on their list and uh, if they play uh, some of it, if not most of it, uh, they should get over the line quite comfortably. The first ever road trip for a Victorian side outside of the state. TIO Stadium, Saturday, 4pm, the NT Thunder host Essendon. Big game, isn't it? Uh, momentous occasion up in Darwin, Um be interesting to see how Essendon performs. Obviously, they're, they're opening two rounds. Uh, there's been a lot of uh, development and learning that uh, the Bombers have been doing, whilst the Thunder 
Uh, we saw how they came out in round one against uh, the Darabin Falcons and blew them off the park. And given that this is uh, on their home deck, it's no doubt going to be very warm up there, which is going to make things difficult for uh, the Essendon footballers who I don't think would have been exposed too much to playing footy in uh, heat like that. So going with the Thunder with this one, I think they're going to get it done quite comfortably. Let's look to Sunday. Two games, both at 2pm. The first one at Point Jellybrand, which is the vfl.com.au video stream game. Uh, Weemstown hosting Geelong. Curious to see how this game pans out. I'm expecting Geelong to get a good win on the board. But at the same time, I'm hoping that uh, the Seagulls can just close the gap a little bit. As we mentioned or alluded to earlier, they do have a good list in terms of talent altogether. They've got a number of St Kilda Sharks. So that dynamic should be working. Um, so I think if they do lose... and do lose by a, a fair bit on the weekend, then uh, there'll be another side with a question mark hanging over their head with rebounds strongly after the draw on the weekend. And finally to our match of the round on RSN Carnival Digital Radio. We're on air at 1pm for a 2pm bounce. Collingwood and Richmond originally was going to be a morning game at Olympic Park Oval. It has been switched. It will now be a 2pm bounce down at the Swinburne Centre, otherwise known as Punt Road Oval. Could be an interesting this one. Expecting Collingwood to get over the line uh, in the match based on what we saw on the weekend and no doubt they'll have a bit of goal-kicking practice uh, at training this week to try and rectify uh, the issues that they had in the first half of last week's game. On the other side of the coin, would be expecting Richmond to hopefully be slightly more competitive than what the scoreboard suggested on the weekend and return to that round one form that they had against uh, the Bulldogs. So uh, hoping it's a, a close game, a, a close contested game, but uh, going with the Magpies to, to win and, and have a decent win. Well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival and Women's Australian Rules Football. And we look forward to your company one o'clock on Sunday for our VFL Women's Match of the Round, a punt right over between the Pies and the Tigers. No worries, Pete. And just for uh, anyone out there wondering why we haven't mentioned the Falcons, Muggers or Bulldogs, they've all got the bye in round three of the uh, VFL Women's Competition. So uh, they've got the weekend off. We don't. Uh, see you at the Swinburne Centre, Pete. Turning our attention now to the Tasmanian State League women's competition. Round four was played over the weekend and unfortunately some one-sided results at Windsor Park. Launceston 14-9-93 defeated the Tigers 1-4-10. While at the Wyvernhoe Showgrounds, Bernie won behind, went down to Clarence 17-10-112. Glen Orkey with the bye. Looking to round five action being played this weekend. On the Saturday, Clarence take on Launceston at Oatlands starting at 11 a.m., while on Sunday at 1pm at KGV, Glenorchy host Bernie Tigers having the bye. Looking at the WAWFL competition that was played on the weekend, round six was one game on Saturday where the Perth Angels 6-9-45 defeated South Fremantle 2 10 20 
two. To the games on Sunday, Bill Thunderbirds 10-10-70 defeated Claremont 4-9-33. East Fremantle 8-5-53 defeated West Perth 3-4-22. While Subiaco 4-4-28 went down to Swan Districts 9-6-60. Looking to round seven, all games being played on Sunday, all games 2pm start times. Claremont hosts Swan Districts. South Fremantle hosts the Peel Thunderbirds. West Perth hosts the Perth Angels. And Subiaco host the East Fremantle Sharks. Let's find out what's happening in the QWAFL. And we've got on the line our regular reporter in Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Uh, Peter, as always, doing great. And uh had a, a few interesting games over the weekend, so things are starting to change shape in, in the quaffle up here. So um, look forward to getting into it. A bit of a tug of war, wasn't it, down at Leishon mm. Park? In the end, Yoronga South Brisbane 4 2 getting over the line against Bond University 2 7 19. Yeah, absolutely. Right on cue were Yoronga um, after we talked about it last week, and um, yeah, they got a couple of players back, so you'd. Definitely notice their Bates um, stepping back into the lineup. Uh, Zanchetta also stepping back into the lineup um, as well with a couple of their uh, um, uh, well-known names from last year: Walsh, Keith, um, Cox, Cantrell, um, uh, Bliss. Um, all played on the weekend as well. So it was a, a much different look side for Yuronga and. Uh, and, and obviously we're able to come away with the win against Bond. So this is probably maybe looking more likely what Bond are going to have to compete with um, if they win more games from those sort of top four sides that we were expecting at the start of the year, um, be that or Cooley, Yoronga, um, Cooperus, if they beat those sides above them, um, that's what they're going to be up with uh, up against for the, for the rest of the year. But pretty tight tussle um, nonetheless. So only seven points of difference. Um, you're on leading the whole way through, but uh, um, Bond showing that they, they can still be competitive. I mean, it wasn't quite the year on that won the Premiership last year, um, but uh, competitive against maybe 70% uh, strength um, year on the side from the year before. So, so it's awesome. They've definitely shown they can they can match that um, with them um, 100%. So good stuff. Cooling Gatta four six thirty got over the line against UQ Red Lions one seven thirteen. Yeah, very inaccurate um, from from UQ. They definitely had a few chances there. One goal seven is not the return they would have been looking for, and uh, most of those coming in the second half as well um, in a tight tussle that, that could have been a, a different scoreline um, had they been a little bit more accurate in front of goal. Um, but you got to say that that's fairly competitive. Um, for, for for them, um, no, noticeably, uh, good to see Beth Pinchin, Beth Pinchin got named in the in the best players for Cooley. Um, you know, she's been on on a long road back from a, uh, a very serious knee injury um, in the final two years ago, so um, could be one, and, and um, hopefully pushing her claims uh, closer and closer to get to the AFLW. She just needs to keep building on her confidence. But it's fantastic to see that great. Um, great kid, and they love her down at, at, at Cooley. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that won't do her any um, any dis, dis, disservice uh, moving forward. UQ, um, good to see them getting a couple of names back. Uh, Alana McNabb uh, down from Mackay, Collingwood, Gabby Collingwood uh, back into that lineup um, to complement Conan 
and Co. So um, they're starting to get a few players back and getting a little bit closer to um, to full strength, um, but not quite good enough uh, against Cooley, um, which is always a tough tough battle down down the coast. Marucci Dor two straight twelve going down to an inaccurate Cooper Roo six fourteen fifty. Yeah, again another score line that could have been uh, very different had of Cooper Roo kicked straight. Uh, most of most of those behind scored in the first half this on this occasion, um, but good to see a couple couple of uh, new names in the best players for Cooper and again um, same tale they're getting a couple back. Zilke playing her first game for the season in the lineup for Cooper um, along with Pittman who's moved across from UQ. Um, uh, who got named in the best on the weekend. So, yeah, good to see Cooperu getting back to where uh, where they left off at the end of last year um, and going up and, and beating Maruchidor on the road uh, up the coast. Um, but Maruchidor noticeably having a very, feeling a very young side and a couple of, couple of girls that are 16, um, 17, uh, playing playing up for them, um, some up-and-coming girls, and played some pretty pretty handy footy for them on the weekend. So, helping side, but, um, yeah, won't do their, their selves any favour uh, representing the coast um, at, at under-18 level, um, pushing up into the quaffle. So, that's good for them in Gregory and, uh, quite noticeably, uh, Duggan as well, playing pretty handy games for Marucci. Looking ahead to round six being played uh, this weekend, all on Saturday, May 19th. First of all, 3 p.m. down at Oakman Park, the UQ Red Lions are hosting Maroochydore. Yeah, for sure. This this, this uh, is shaping up to be a pretty good game. Um, UQ and Maruchi both um, struggling to, to register wins um, so far this season. Uh, UQ starting to get some players back. Maroochydore young, um, developing side. Um, and and each gives those girls a really good chance to to show what they've got against some stronger you know opposition and some bigger bodies, um, mature mature players who have been you know playing in the Quaffle and AFLW. So fantastic for for those girls at Maroochydore, uh, but UQ are starting to to build a, a stronger strength side. Um, I think they might be too good for Maroochydore on this particular occasion, um, but should be should be a great game. Bond University hosting Wilson Grange, who had the week off. Yeah, Wilson Grange running hot at the moment still. Um, look, they, they've uh, had the week off, so usually when teams have the week off, they've um, they come back noticeably uh, hungrier in the quaffle. Um, I'm expecting them to, to have a, a pretty sizable win against Bond. Um, Bond have been playing some good footy and have impressed uh, a lot of people and I don't think many would have expected them to have um, even the amount of wins they've had already this season uh, so far. Uh, but I think Wilson Grange will be too strong. But again, give them, give themselves um, the perfect test against uh, the competition's most informed side in Wilson Grange. And finally, 4.45pm at Giffen Park, the big grudge match, Cooperoo and Cooling Tweed. Yeah, I think this is definitely the match of the round. Uh, Cooley have had a couple of couple of strong home games so far this season. Going up to Cooper, play Cooperu at Cooperu is always a tough task. Cooperu starting to get a couple of players back. Cooley have been playing some uh, scintillating footy at times. Um, this is going to be definitely the match of the round. 
extremely hard to pick uh, between these two. Um, It's going to be really interesting to see if uh, some of those girls coming back, how quickly they can have some influence, Um, particularly the likes of of Zilke, uh, if she plays again. Um, I know they played a majority up forward but uh, failed to register on the scoreboard uh, last weekend. Um, Will she get some more midfield time? Um, will, will she play up forward? I mean, I'd be happy to see her play up forward, and she would create some some significant headaches for Cooley um, if they can can give her some good supply. Pittman's been tearing it up in the midfield, could cause them some grief as well. Um, it's a really tough one to pick, but definitely the match of the round. So if you're going to go down and watch any of the games, it's be the one for sure. And Yuronga South Brisbane with the bye. Aaron, thanks very much again for joining us this week on RSN Carnival Digital Radio, and we look forward to catching up with you next week as we review round six of the QWAFL. Cheers. Having a look at AFL Canberra first grade women's action from the weekend. It was round four at Eastlake 2-4-16 went down to Belconnen 8-7-55. Gungarland 1-2-8 defeated by Quimbian 8-8-56. And Ainsley 2-5-17 went down to Tugranong. 3-4-22. Round 5 action uh, is on Saturday the 26th of May. So they're having a week off back Saturday 26th of May when Ainsley Hoskin Garland, 2.30pm at Allen Ray Oval. Then on Sunday 27th of May, Greenway Oval, Tugranong host Eastlake 12pm and at 4pm on Sunday the 27th of May at Orlandshaw Park. 4 p.m. start for Quimbian and Balconnen. So remember, a week off in AFL Canberra this week, and they're back for round five on the weekend of the 26th and 27th of May. Let's head across to South Australia for the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division One competition. On Friday night, Adelaide University 6-11-47 defeated Fitzroy 1-2-8. On the Saturday, Salisbury 9-8-62 defeated Christie's Beach 4-1-25. And on the Sunday, Morphinfield Park 11-9-75 defeated Port Adelaide 3-1-19. Looking to round five action, there's a Saturday night game, 19th of May, 7pm at the Fitzroy Sports Club as the Lions host the Salisbury Magpies. Two games on the Sunday, 2.15pm at University Oval, Adelaide University host Port Adelaide. 3pm at Victor Harbour Oval, Christie's Beach host Morfittville Park. Time to find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and I've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good thanks Peter, how are you? Not too bad at all and you turned it on for round six of footy, three out of the four games, all close ones. Yeah, it was a really close, uh, as you said, close round uh, this week. I think conditions may have played a part, um, but, yeah, definitely a, uh, a tight weekend of footy. Henson Park, we start on Saturday morning, and it was the Bulldogs, 2-4-16, defeating the Sydney Uni Bombers, 2 3 Yeah, look, I mean, it's as close as you can get uh, and still have a result out of the game. Um no goals. No goal. Sorry, was scored uh, in the first quarter. Uh, there was a goal scored in the in the second quarter, and the Bombers actually held a um, six point lead at at half time. But uh, the the Bulldogs kicked their two goals uh, in the third quarter. Uh, the Bombers also kicked another goal in that third quarter, but um, yeah, inaccurate kicking uh, in the fourth. Uh, probably cost them uh, kicking two behinds and in the fourth quarter and only going down by one. So, um, yeah, very close game there. Uh, goal kickers for the Bulldogs were Devlin and Gemma Still, and uh, Harley kicked both the goals for the Bombers. So, um, yeah, really close match there. And um, 
Yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what the scoreline is the next time these two teams meet there, Peter. Talking about inaccurate kicking, well, in the next game, both sides had five scoring shots. It was the team that kicked straighter that won in the end. The Western Wolves 2-3-15, defeating the Newtown Breakaways five behinds. Yeah, another really low-scoring game. And in this one, there wasn't actually a goal kicked after quarter time. Uh, the Wolves kicked both of their goals, as I mentioned, in, in the first quarter. Um, so they, they actually started off quite well. But after that, they only kicked uh, uh, three behinds, a behind in each of the remaining quarters. And as you mentioned, uh, the breakaways only kicked five behinds of the game. So, um, yeah, obviously disappointing um, for the breakaways there. Um, the goal kickers for the Wolves were Causley, Todd and uh, Miller. And, and the best players for the Wolves were Marzotto and uh, also Causley, Todd. So another really close game there. Um, as I said, I think conditions have played a part in, in some of the games. We had a bit of a win and cold weekend uh, up in Sydney, um, but it makes for obviously some really competitive uh, and uh, hotly contested footy. Indeed, on Saturday afternoon, the Auburn Penrith Giants 4-4-28 defeated an inaccurate UTS Shamrocks 2-9-21. Yeah, look, it's not often that the team with more scoring shots loses a game, so the Shamrocks would be really disappointed in that. Um, you know, they've had uh, 11 scoring shots to to Auburn Penrith's uh, eight, uh, yet they've lost by seven points. So it's, as I mentioned, really disappointing there for them. Uh, up until halftime, the Shamrocks had kicked seven straight behinds, whereas uh, the Pen Auburn Penrith Giants had kicked three, two. So they were making the most of their opportunities. Uh, you know, the Shamrocks came back from 13 points down to, to only lose by seven. So they did make a bit of a go of it uh, in the last quarter, but just, uh, yeah, couldn't couldn't get there and um yeah, it'd be ruining their opportunities, Peter. Um goal kickers for the Giants, KD Stoke with two, uh Davis and Camoon with one apiece, and uh Trenor for the Shamrocks kicked uh both of their goals. And to the final game of the round, a little bit more one sided, Macquarie University five twelve forty two, defeating the Southern Power three behinds. Yeah, look, at uh, a much closer game um, than when these sides met in round one. Uh, I think the, the margin then was 65 points. Um, but, yeah, look, Power would be disappointed to uh, only get three behinds on the board for the day and all of them coming in the third quarter. Um, you know, look, it, it could have been a little bit closer. Um, I think it was Laura Russell for the Warriors kicked a couple of goals uh, in the last few minutes of the game. Um, but, yeah, look, Mac Uni um, were obviously on top right throughout the game. Uh, they had a 23-point lead at, at halftime. And, you know, in a low-scoring game, that's that can be, you know, quite a significant margin. Um, as I mentioned before, Laura Russell kicked uh, two late, late goals, uh, which took her tally to three for the game. And Aubrey and uh, Gray kicked the other two goals. For the Warriors, uh, their best players were Sutcliffe, Steen and Carter, uh, whilst the best players were Power on the day were Podnicki, uh, Bresnahan and uh, Raw. And uh, finally, we normally look ahead to next week, but it looks like a bye for the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and everyone back on the 26th. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, having having the, I suppose, the general buy uh, this this weekend um, probably comes at a good time for, for most clubs. You know, there are six games in, so it's a nice nice break for them. I suppose they can sort of assess how they've started and, and set themselves, uh, you know, for the 
for the uh, middle middle part of the year. And um, yeah, I think they they'll they'll all enjoy the uh, the week off, Peter. Well, Lauren, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you next week to preview Round 7 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter. And that concludes things on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival for yet another week. Don't forget our RSN Carnival match of the day is on Sunday the 20th of May from 1pm as we bring you Collingwood versus Richmond in the VFL Women's Competition. You can listen via RSN Carnival, Digital Radio Melbourne, the RSN Racing and Sport app, rsn.net.au. Click on Digital Radio. Or another way to find it is to download the VFL app and uh, it'll have the details there for you. I'm Peter Holden. Until Sunday at 1 o'clock, it's bye for now.